Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode 21 of Teaching Tales. I am, once again, your host, Brent Coley, and joining me today, again, we have our second returning guest, Jennifer Wagner. Jen, how are you? I'm doing fine. Hi, everybody. Yes, Jen is back. Jen was our very first guest. If you have not listened to episode one, we talked about students noticing everything and and the 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 great impact that we have and responsibility that we have as teachers because our kids notice everything good and bad if you haven't listened to that not now you got to finish this episode but then later go back to episode one but i wanted to have jen i wanted to uh have another chat with you because i enjoyed i always enjoy our chats whenever we head to conferences we often carpool to our local affiliate conferences but I wanted to talk today, we have had other episodes, Tony Vincent and I talked about it, Rushton Hurley and I in one of our episodes, we talked about connecting um, with others, connecting with students, connecting with teachers, and that is one of your specialties. So I wanted, I wanted to sit down again and have a chat and talk about connecting because you, one of your specialties is online projects. And I wanted to, because you have had a huge impact with teachers and students, not just the country, it's the world, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're going to be very, it's okay. <laughs> I don't want you to feel like you're tooting your own horn. I'm going to toot your horn for you. But because the whole point of this is I want to share the good ideas that you have. Because one of one of my teachers here at Alta, Donna Hansen, did one of your projects this year. So for anyone who's not familiar um, with an online project, tell tell them what what is what is an online project, and and how have you incorporated those into your teaching? Well, if I could give a quick little back it up, okay. yeah, absolutely. There is project based learning, and then there's projects, mm-hmm. and mine are more projects. Mine are not going to change the world. Um, mine are going to change maybe a classroom, maybe a learning environment, mm-hmm. but um, when uh, minor, they're not simplistic, meaning they're like easy, but they're not as in depth as a project based learning. Okay. Okay. I like to say that first because there can be quite a discussion, you yeah. know. Um, and real quickly, for I, I totally neglected. What do you? What's your position in terms of what do you teach? Because I know if someone, I teach students. You teach students. That's a good start. At that's... a private Christian school in Southern California. I teach um, this year. I taught K-6 technology. Next year I'm doing K-8 awesome. technology. Okay. So I get to go with my 6th and 7th, oh. my 6th graders up next year to help a little bit. Um, what we do in our technology lab is so wonderful. And so we want to continue it on. Awesome. To the upper grades. So that's what I do. Very good. So sorry for, sorry my for, day the, job. for the little interruption. So so you're you're on the side, your projects. You have you have hosted online over sixty project oh no, probably over eighty now since nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. It started as a just a little I was trying to collect information for a science fair project for my kids and I wanted to give an example of how they could collect data online and this is 1999 mm-hmm. so I sent out an email to a ed tech group I belong to and expected five responses on how people eat an Oreo cookie and I got 150 wow. and the, mm-hmm. so the next year I thought well let's do this again and so this year it's going to be our 18th year 
of wow. hosting the cookie project. So, so when you say a project, because again, this is a way, like you mentioned, for classrooms around the country or or world to participate together in the same type of project. So, for the cookie project, to, like if, they're stacking twice. I'm, I'm and a fifth grade learning, teacher. Yeah. What what am I gonna what 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 my what would my class do? You go out and buy three bags of Oreos. Okay. You give your students two chances to stack as high as they can, one cookie at a time with one hand. You average, you write down the highest score, the highest stack each student did, and then you average your class results and you submit your class results. That's st- that's the easiest thing to do. Okay. If you want to take it a step farther, we have the sculpture project that you take the insides of the Oreo cookie and the outside of the Oreo cookie and you make an art project. And apps, some of them have been oh, that's, unbelievably that is, pretty. It's messy, but it's fun. And then they take so, and so then the they teacher take pictures, take pictures yeah. and submit that to you. And yeah. whether it's the data, so the data goes into a spreadsheet. A Google Doc. Google Doc. Okay. A Google Form. Google, Google mm-hmm. Form, which then yeah. populates a spreadsheet. Well, in 1999 to about 2004, it came through an Excel document. So I was typing everything in. Once Google Forms happened, projects got a lot simpler oh, yeah. yeah and then um, if you want to take it a step further too you can um, one of my friends who I met by hosting a project Paula Noggle who's in Louisiana they um, get together with Skype and they have simultaneous stacking competitions with other classrooms oh, yeah. so is... I mean you can take it from just you buy the Oreos your class stacks the Oreos you submit uh-huh. to connecting with another class and and once the data is submitted to you what the, do you then send out like the average like this is the average height of actually all the... i make a graph and i have this little oreo graphic so all the bar graphs have these little oreos that are <laughs> stacked and they're stacked exactly one per one so teachers are also learning if they wish how to customize graphs so they're not just the graph that the computer gotcha. makes for you color coding um it lasts about four to six weeks so i'm pretty busy for about four to six weeks of collecting the data but again with google docs it's made it so easy i i was hosting up to eight projects a year and i could do it because i'm sorry google docs are just sort of a gift from google oh. <laughs> yes they very much I, so i concur yes i mean I, the i the holiday card project can have twenty five thousand classrooms and i don't even blink an eye so tell me tell me about because one of my teachers i believe participated in that natalie mm-hmm. thanks if you're listening natalie you're yep. the bomb what uh tell us about what what, what do you do in that project um, you sign up for the project. Actually, and Donna did this Donna one. Did Donna did this well. one as well. Yeah. Yep. And Donna did the O.R.E.O project too okay. about six years ago. Um, the holiday card project, you're paired up with 29 other classrooms, and basically you send a holiday card to each class on your list, and they send you a holiday card as well. Hmm. So not only are your students learning to address and to create a card, and uh, addressing an envelope is something students don't That's know how to do. not something they do very and, often. You're and right. they don't know their addresses a lot or their school address, which maybe mm-hmm. they don't need to know. But addressing an envelope, getting mail is something students don't get. 
as much anymore, so students are very excited to get that. But beyond that, it also becomes a geography project. Okay. I was just going to ask in terms of like the curricular mm-hmm. connection to it, so geography to see where are we sending it. Mm-hmm. And the projects all align with the ISTE student standards and the ISTE teacher standards and Common Core okay. right now, too. So if teachers have to look and say, oh, I can only do a project if it aligns with standards, I do my best for that, too. That's awesome. Because with, I mean, you've mentioned with Google Docs and Forms and Sheets, this has made you as the organizer, it's it's very easy to collect this, oh. this, kind, of, yeah. this kind of data from everybody. I make a Google slide. Um, is that what they're called? Google Slides? Google Slides, uh-huh. And I share out the link and people add pictures to the PowerPoint and information. And I basically, all I did was share the link and I check it every so often to make sure everyone's on the up and up and and yeah because I know that in terms of as I mentioned at the at the top of the broadcast that some of Twitter and Pinterest and Facebook and things like that have made it so easy for teachers to connect with Mm -hmm. each other but this is a way easy for a teacher because you're doing all the work well Google's doing all the work. Yes. I mean, you, you are. Let's for anyone listening. Jen is doing a lot of work on this. Yes, Google has streamlined the process, yes. but you have you do a ton of work here. But for a teacher who's listening, thinking, "Oh, I I'd love to be a part of that," we're talking a minimal investment. Yeah, they do have to. One thing I I'm not doing, and perhaps I might do in the future, is especially with these project is when you register for the project, there's a, a area on the form that says I would like to connect with another teacher. Mm. So far, what I've done is I've made a spreadsheet of everyone who said, yes, I want to connect with another teacher, shared that out to all the teachers who said they wanted to connect, and then said, go ahead and connect. Oh. What, what? So I'm not like pairing teachers together. And right now, hosting eight projects a year, it wasn't on my to-do list. Sure. It was a bit too much. But um, I think the teachers that want to connect will make that extra you're give, effort. You're to giving connect. them that, 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 wow, I've got this. Yeah. Let's just say it's a five-page spreadsheet of educators all over There's the country. There's probably 150 names on it. 150 names. I mean, because you and I, we were talking before we started recording about like Mystery Skype. If anyone who is listening, Mystery Skype or Mystery Hangout, if mm-hmm. you're going to use a Google Hangout, where you have a classroom you have another classroom somewhere else in the country and or world Mm -hmm. and you basically the students in each class have to try to decide where the other class is located and it's like 20 questions one like one class will ask a question hey are you east of the mississippi river and they'll say the the other class will say yes Mm -hmm. okay so now the class is working on their maps and their atlases and everything to try, okay, we can cross out the western part of the United States, and then the other class asks a question. But one of the big, one of the hardest things is who do I, who do I connect with? How do I find somebody who would be willing to do that? Your spreadsheet there now you got 150 names of somebody who has said, 
I'm interested mm-hmm. in connecting yep. with somebody. And, and you see grade level, and you see area, and you see time zone, so you get you, to choose. You, and, and I have had uh, one of our fifth grade teachers has mm-hmm. done this. One of our first grade teachers has done this. I mean, our, our friends. But it's, it's even beyond um, location. I just recently saw a mystery Skype um, that I was involved with that was a book, and it was Guess the Character. And Ooh. you had to figure out, and we did To Kill a Mockingbird. And it was so interesting to narrow it down to who the character was. To ask, did not did they know which book? It, yeah, we okay, both. Okay, so knew, you said this is the book, and we you, both knew the book, and you could not choose Atticus or Scout or Jim. Wow, and I so I did Capernia, okay. and the other person did Robinson. And you just had to answer questions, yes, sir, and no. doing something like that, you would actually have to know the character mm-hmm. to be able to Tom answer Robinson, yeah. to be able to answer the questions that. The other class is yes. going to ask you. And I've seen a similar thing done. Um, I saw it at a Scott Bedley, and I think, uh, I want to say Joanne Fox did a Q session, uh, Computer Using Educators Conference on mystery, uh, mystery, oh, I can't even remember what it's called, but it was like, guess the occupation, it was like mystery occupation. You can mystery anything. Where you ha- they had somebody yep. on, and the class had to ask questions to try to guess what does this person do, mm-hmm. and you're using clues of like, well, there's a bike. See that there's a bike in the background. I mean, mm-hmm. the office the person was sitting in, and that's cool. Is, it was really. I mean, we had adults, and we, yeah. we were playing as adults. But what a great opportunity for students to learn questioning. Yeah, techniques. and they have to know their. Not just their information on their person or their location or their national yeah. park or their president or their number. Even with even with little, little kids, if you do mystery number, learning even odds. Well, well yeah. Quarters, halves. Going, going yeah. back to the, the mystery Skype, like where is the other class located? I mean, you're teaching kids that your first question is not be, are you in Texas? <laughs> okay, that, that's a one out of 50. It's like, okay, let's, can we... Can yes. we can we in <laughs> our first question down. can we narrow it down can we eliminate half of the choices or like mm-hmm. you said if it's 1 to 100 mm-hmm. are you even no okay we have just eliminated 50% mm-hmm. of our choices and now yeah. we can go now we can go from there so now going back to your projects share cuz this podcast is called teaching tales and you have taught via online projects can you share a story, some somebody who has emailed you, and just I know that because again, some of my teachers have done this, and they have shared that this has had a very positive impact. Can you share someone who was emailed to you and said, "Hey, Jen, thanks." This, I mean, anything that you think somebody would benefit from hearing. I I've been blessed by receiving a lot of. Um, thanks. I think one of the biggest thanks I ever received was two years ago, I got an email from a student who had done the project in fifth grade, and she was now a teacher. And the first thing she wanted to do with her class was participate in the project. So that was, um, I have goosebumps right now. Yeah, me too. Um, that That was kind of huge that it had, she went into teaching with the goal of doing of doing the project so that was transformation that was every so often you you wonder what you do 
and you wonder, am I making a How difference? How difference am I making? Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it's easy to fill um, like a teeny tiny fish kind of thing. And you don't want to be a big fish, but you want to be, you know. Yeah. And so that was, that was I have um, put together a couple of um, Jan Wells and Paula Noggle have met because of a project that I introduced them to. I have some people that have done um, 18 years of projects with me. Um, I've been very blessed and people are very, very kind and, um, and they're kind to, to say thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the previous episode, episode 20 with John Ike is, was all about the power of saying thank you because how many, 18 years you've done this? 19 years? Yeah. 1999. And I can tell you just real quick, for those of you who are listening, one thank you can sustain someone for a year. And that's that's just what I was going to say is I can pretty safely say 1999 is when you started. You would not still be doing this. And I may be wrong, but I'm going to go out on a limb. I don't, you would not be doing this if you had not gotten any kind of, you're not doing it for the kudos. You're not doing it for the, for adulation or for the thank you. That being said, when you get an email that says, hey, Jen, Thanks. I appreciate you doing this. You doing this. It buoys you. I like to use that word. It buoys you. It's like wow. It worked almost like the starfish. Well, I made a difference for that teacher mm-hmm. and that one teacher who did it as a student and is now a teacher and is doing it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, going back to if you see something like this, the power of a thank you is immeasurable. I yeah. mean, we we can't you can't quantify how how much of a difference because you never know you never know where that person is at that point Mm -hmm. it's like that might be exactly what he or she needed to hear at that exact moment so um buoy is a good word buoy is a a good word i I love how john ike he talked about like in the storm a buoy it may go down but it's going to pop back up i mean Mm -hmm. it was a, a great way that he he talked about that in episode 20 so Hopefully, anyone listening is like, ooh, tell me more about these projects. Because, again, I think a lot of teachers out there, we're so busy. Teachers have so much on their plate. And I think the thing that I want to reinforce is an online project like this, like what you are hosting, is not is not some – it's not a brick in terms of the weight and size that you would be adding to the plate. It would be a very small thing that could help engage your students in something that's fun, that's global. Tell somebody who's thinking, yeah, I'd like to try something like this. Where where do they go? Uh, you go to projectsbygen.com. Three of the projects are seasonal. So if um, things may be changing this next year, but I have gotten some people that are going to be hosting two of my projects. So, for instance, the St. Patrick's Day project, which is the Lucky Charms project, happens the week of St. Patrick's Week, which sure. is a crazy week. So you're getting your kids involved in math and cate- um, graphing and, and grouping. And the um, Pumpkin Seed project, which happens the week of Halloween, okay. which is a crazy week anyway. Yeah. So a couple of the projects are based around... Your week's chaotic, so sure. throw learning in in a fun way. And the holiday card as well. Is is holiday. And the Lucky Charm one, that's where they're they're counting the how many the marshmallows. How many different colored marshmallows. Mm-hmm. Again, 
I love Lucky Charms. I yes. would do that project just to eat the marshmallows <laughs> when we were done. So yeah. Um, so that's projects by Jen. One in. One in. Dot com. Dot com. Yep. And you've got a blog on there. Yeah, projectsbygen.com slash blog. Slash blog. Um, that's more my personal thoughts, more than project thoughts, but yeah. And and if somebody wanted to connect with you via Twitter. Jen Wagner. At Jen Wagner. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you she's got good stuff and your blog is good. Thank you. Your, your blog is, is more than once I have read your blog and it's exactly what I needed to hear at that time. So you you, if you like blogs and you like real blogs thank you that's 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 what you do so anyone out there projectsbygen.com it's good stuff great ways to connect with other classrooms in an easy non-threatening jen's doing all the work or now you've got some people going to be helping you and google is doing a lot of the heavy lifting so once again thank you for listening well thank you i always enjoy chatting with you absolutely absolutely so and for anyone out there, thank you for listening. Um, again, this this uh, podcast is sponsored by my wife. See, Jen was looking at me like, well, you have a sponsor now? No, I, I don't have a monetary sponsor. I have my, my wonderful wife who, who listens to every episode and gives me feedback. Jill, I love you, babe. And uh, uh, if you have not subscribed, make sure to subscribe in iTunes and or Google Play because then you don't even have to check. It'll just pop up on your phone. You'll be ready to go. And speaking of thank you, If this has helped you out in any way, drop us a review, drop us a like on iTunes. We would appreciate it. And as always, thank you for listening. Until next time, have a good one.